It is uh, nice to be back here. I've been gone for just shy of five weeks. Had the wonderful pleasure of being in Israel for that time. For those of you who have followed my travels over the past uh, year and a half or whatever, you'll know that every time I go to Israel, uh, both my wife Lisa and I have been fortunate because about two days after we get there, they end up closing the skies down. This time we went, the opposite happened. There were so many people that were getting into the country that Ben Gurion Airport actually shut down. Meaning that because of two years of not having tourists and not having the staff on hand to process people, they had 75,000 people come in one day alone. You could not find a restaurant to sit in because reservations were completely unavailable. You couldn't find a hotel room. The streets were packed with people everywhere. So on one hand, I can report to you, although I didn't get to eat a lot because there were no tables available for me, everything is very good in the land of Israel. But actually what I wanted to share with you on this morning was a different idea about Israel. And I was going to meet a friend in Herzliya, which is a city just north of Tel Aviv, and I fought my way through the traffic and made a left-hand turn onto one of the main roads in Herzliya, which is known as Wuchov Street Hamidinata Yudim. Why it's called that name is because Herzliya is named after Theodor Herzl. And the main road, the young street, so to speak, of Herzliya is called Medinat HaYehudim, the state of the Jews named after Theodor Herzl's most famous book, which was called, in German, because he wrote in German, Der Judenstadt, the Jewish state. Herzl imagines in the late 1800s when he tries to describe and conjure the idea of what a resurgent, emergent, modern Jewish state would be because Herzl was from Vienna, from Austria. What did he imagine? Herzl imagined Vienna in the middle of the Middle East. He goes to describe pictures of what he imagines this new Israel would be, and it literally was Vienna in the middle of the desert. People wearing top hats and long coats, all the formalities and rigidities that were present in the Habsburg Empire, he imagined that that would be very much what Israel would become. In other words, it would become a bastion of Western European identity and culture in the middle of the Middle East. And as I drove down that street, I asked myself, how much of Herzl's dream came true? If he was alive today and could see this, what would he think of it? Because Israel is indeed a Western country, but not entirely. It's an Eastern country. It's both of those things, and yet it's none of those things. Now, Israel is a Western country because, well, first of all, they have free and fair elections. <laughs> uh, the other thing, of course, about Israel and this was a remarkable thing. I actually never paid attention to it. But you know that they wash the streets and the sidewalks in Tel Aviv every day. <laughs> we get it here, I think, twice a year. Every day they wash the streets and the sidewalks. They also pick up the garbage every day. If you're looking for reasons maybe to move, it's not a bad reason. 
the other things that are so decidedly Western about Israel. When your plane makes its way into Tel Aviv as you're about to land, and you look out the window, you know what you see more than anything else? Cranes everywhere. The country is exploding in a good way. The economy, technology, Israel, routinely, year after year, that they register more patents per capita than any country in the world. And net numbers, net numbers are, that Israel is only second to the United States in terms of registering patents. On a scientific, technological, when we were in Israel two weeks ago, Israel was the first country to ever use a laser to shoot down a missile. It is a remarkable breakthrough, not only in terms of human technology, but for the security of the state of Israel that is surrounded by enemies that are loaded to the teeth with missiles. It was a remarkable moment, economically, technologically, scientifically, medically. Do we need to forget that a year and a half ago that Israel was the envy of the world when it came to COVID? And so Israel is very much a Western country in lots of good ways. But Israel is also an Eastern country. The first few waves of immigrants that came to Israel starting in the late 1800s, the first Aliyah, second Aliyah, third Aliyah, those are all different historical moments of great movements of Jews to the land of Israel. They were primarily Jews from Europe, Russia and Poland. And then in the 20s and 30s, the great wave of German Jews that made their way to, this, to what was to become the state of Israel. The great institutions of Israel, the Weizmann Institute, the Technion, University of Haifa, the Hebrew University. All of these things were contributions that in particular, that the European Jews brought to the land of Israel. But more than 60% of Israel's population is not from Europe. They're from the Arab lands. When people try to paint Israel as a European colonialist entity, they don't know Israel because most of the people of the Jews who live in Israel are not of European descent, but they are refugees from Arab countries. So how is Israel an Eastern country? Well, first, the sheer number of people who come from Arab lands. Second, when you're in Israel, put the radio on and listen to the music. Yeah, they have Western music. Lots of kind of fusion music. Western, kind of Arabic. It's very cool. It's very interesting. The other thing that makes Israel such a decidedly Eastern country is that people spend time with each other. You walk through Tel Aviv, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, other Israeli cities, look in the restaurants and cafes. People sit down at tables with other human beings and they don't have their cell phones on. You look out your window from your hotel or your apartment and you see groups of kids going from place to place. It reminded me of my childhood. 
which is not the childhood that I saw in my children, by the way. People spend time with family and friends. And it's not just an occasional thing, but the cafes during the day are filled with people meeting other people. And the other way that Israel is a European, is, excuse me, is an Eastern country and not a Western country, people are happy there. Israel routinely ranks. I don't know who does these surveys and how they do them, but Israel routinely ranks amongst the top countries of the happiest countries in the world, which actually prima facie seems a little crazy considering the neighborhood they live in. But people are happy there. But when I was in Israel, I was but maybe 90 seconds away from the attack that took place in Dizengoff. We were actually on Dizengoff. You can always tell the difference. At first blanche, you think when you hear a gunshot, you think that it's a firecracker, but then there's an echo to a gunshot that is never like a firecracker. And I heard it go off and I said to my wife and my kids who were with me, I said, there's gunfire and then the sirens go. The shooter, as you may know, got loose. The Israeli police ordered everybody into their homes to close their blinds and turn the lights off so that more shots couldn't be issued from the street by the shooter. And to watch the TV news on that night was to see something that wasn't Western and wasn't Eastern. Police were literally going from door to door, building to building. But as images of soldiers and policemen were running down the streets thinking that they had found the shooter, the reporters were running alongside them. Because don't forget, the reporters have military, military training as well. They served. They also carry weapons. The following morning, early, early morning, the shooter was neutralized. And Tel Aviv, which is a loud, hard, rancorous city, was quiet. And if you walked into a store in that morning, everyone just asked each other how you're doing. The next story was is that three innocent people were murdered, a father of three a man who was soon to be married that weekend, and he was at a bar with his best man, who was also murdered. And all that the news could speak about in the following days was the loss of these three remarkable men. One of them, the father of three, was an Olympic swimmer. He was a record holder. The man who was soon to be married was graduating with a PhD in computer science and nanotechnology. His dream was to help people who had brain injuries recover through the means of technology. And this morning in our Torah portion, it's called Achremot. The word Achremot literally means after the death. And a rabbi who lived in the 12th century, his name was Jacob ben Asher, comments like this. He says, what does it mean after the death? He said, it's trying to tell us that in life, there are befores 
and there are afters. Now, we know that life is filled with beginnings and ends, but the truth of the matter is only one thing in life actually makes us keenly aware about before and after, and that's death. This past week was Yom HaShoah. And to get a real sense of why Israel is not just a Western country and not just an Eastern country, but Israel is a Jewish country, is to see that how uniquely, profoundly, decidedly, how we don't forget. We are a people of deep memory, and we are determined to never let go of what our memories hold us to. As the Holocaust writer Oppefeld, Aaron Oppefeld once said, that we don't see the world as it is, but to be a Jew is to see the world as we are. We see the world through memory. And more than any place in this world, Israel is a reminder to us of how Jews continue to see the world. Shabbat Shalom. Please rise, page 350, for the blessing of the new month.